Let's go! Welcome back to the pod. Cato Sports here on a Tuesday in Melbourne, 7th of February. So much going on at the moment in sports. We're into Super Bowl week. There's trades going on in the NBA, which I'm going to talk about later. Heaps of stuff moving around. LeBron, one, maybe two games away from the record. Also going to touch on that. Very excited about that. Also, in this episode, I'm going to cover the Brisbane Lions, how they're looking coming into the 2023 season. Heaps of hype around the Lions. have had some big inclusions, so I'm definitely going to touch on them. But I do want to start this this pod with a new segment called Kato's Crush. I, I am a romantic, I am emotional, and I think sometimes you just have to romanticize sport because there are moments uh, that just, they make you go, that was awesome. That actually was awesome. And my crush this week, for the first time, and I think will be my one of my loves for a long, long time, is the people of WA. The BBL final this year was crazy. It was manic. It was just everything we wanted and needed for the Big Bash in Australia. 53,000 fans going completely nuts, going psycho. A huge, huge comeback by the Scorchers. They just turned the whole game around. I thought when Turner went out, I thought the game was over. But they just came back with this tidal wave and the crowd was just feeling it. There was a dude in a Gold Coast Suns Guernsey with a beer in one hand going completely nuts at the Big Bash Cricket. That is just what we wanted. That is that is what the BBL needed. I went to the BBL final last year in Melbourne. It was, I, I guess, a little bit COVID affected, but still, there was 10,000 people there. And I, I have a buddy who sponsors the the Big Bash, and I was texting him during the game. And I I had to, I just had so many questions about why they were making bad event decisions. I mean, it, it is an event. It has to feel like people want to go and want to participate and want to spend money. And there was no national anthem. There was no pre or post game interviews. The music decisions needed work. There was no merchandise at the game. I went there. My girlfriend is from WA. I spent three weeks there over summer. I love WA. I went, you know what? I want a Scorchers jersey. I want a long sleeve Scorchers jersey. It'd be great. I'd love to get behind the Scorchers and support them. No merchandise at the game. I, I rock up to Docklands Marvel Stadium. No merchandise at a grand final. I mean, it was just so disappointing. There's no history element. There was just no nothing that brought you in. No past players. No, you know video content that was showing previous games. It was just really bland and it was like no one really cared. And I I, I, I think, you know, I got a ticket because they were getting passed around. They, I got it for free from someone who's, you know, work gave it to them and, oh, we're just giving out tickets to the grand final. Like if, if you're giving out tickets to a grand final, something is wrong. 
So to look at the same situation 365 days later, a year's gone by, 50,000 plus fans going completely nuts, an awesome game, a comeback, the people of WA just absolutely getting behind it. I still don't know why there was so little at their test series, but the Big Bash, they love the Scorchers in, in WA, and I just thought, as a spectacle, that was something that the, the Big Bash League needed, and, you know, I just, I couldn't not watch it and just be so happy for that transition over over a year. So, that's my crush for this, for this Tuesday. Uh, I, I just loved it. On to the hoops. I, I, I've been I've been getting a lot of people wanting to talk about the hoops, and I think this is this is the week. LeBron James, he's thirty five points off Kareem, thirty six points off breaking the record. Any way you look at it, he's a top three player of all time, probably in a lot of people's eyes too. And in I think a lot of people, as he's as he keeps going, he's becoming the best player of all time. 10 finals appearances. I mean, this season he's averaging 30 points a night on 50% shooting, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He's just he's just dominant. His plus minus is insane when he is on the court. He's he's the best player in the league easily when he's on the court. Uh it just for his team. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, how do you get better at 38? He's getting better. He's a more efficient player. He's He makes the guys around him who are absolutely terrible, and I'll get into that later. He makes them better. Like, his whole career, he's been a almost, you know, once he left Cleveland for the first time, he's been a pass-first guy. He's been 25 points a night, and... He's just a ridiculous talent. He's a ridiculous, ridiculous talent. We've never seen something like this. There's no precedent for LeBron James. And yet, the Lakers are 13th in the West. 13th. I mean, it's just, how do you have the best player in the league on your team and you be 13th in a player-driven league? You also have Anthony Davis on the team who most people would say is a top 50 player in the league. A lot would say he's a top 20 player in the league. He does get injured, so he doesn't play as many games, but the talent is there. So it just begs the question, why are they 13th? And and simply, it, it, it is the fact that their front office have made some horrendous decisions. Now, Rob Polinka getting re-signed is just the most outrageous thing in sports at the moment. I, I, I don't understand how you can re-sign someone when you look at the roster that he's put together. Now, I don't think Rob Polinka. you can credit him for bringing LeBron to LA. LeBron wanted to come to LA because he wanted to live in LA. He wanted his kids to play ball at Sierra, Sierra Canyon. He wanted his lifestyle to be around a lot more people who kind of had that rich and famous thing going on. There's a lot of financial benefits to living in in California. It was really a lifestyle decision for him. He wanted his kids and family to be in a better life. He likes the weather. He likes the community that he's in. Cold, old, crusty Cleveland, probably, you know, where he came from, wasn't going to do it for his lifestyle. You're not going to credit that to Rob Polinka. Anthony Davis coming over was because LeBron was there. There was no, it wasn't that Polinka did all these deals. 
Anthony Davis came over because he wanted to play with LeBron. Now, everyone knows that LeBron, everyone knows the recipe for how LeBron wins. He won in Cleveland. He won in Miami. He's now won in in, in LA. There's simple recipe to follow to get LeBron a championship. All you need to do is just get a few shooters around him. Allen, Korver, Smith, Kyrie. Get him someone. Get him a couple of guys who can shoot. Get him a good tall forward, small forward who can shoot as well. And, 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 you've, and you've basically got a team that's going to get you a, a lot of wins because LeBron opens up so many opportunities for shooters with his drive to the bucket, with the amount of attention he gets on the court. And yet, Palenka couldn't get it done. He decided, oh no, we're going to give up a, a king's ransom for, for Westbrook. We're going to give away Kuzma. We're going to give away KCP. We're going to get rid of... Caruso, that nobody stayed. None of the plays that they needed for that recipe that we'd seen multiple times before to win a championship, did they keep on the roster? And yet, for some reason, Polinka signs on again. LeBron also signed on at the at, at the start of last year because I think he wanted to show a commitment to the team and a commitment to the future in LA. And this is where he wants to live. This is where he wants his kids to, to live. He doesn't want to be on the road, you know, traveling to see his, his kids. He doesn't want to live in some random, you know, Milwaukee or, or Phoenix or something like that. He wants to live in LA. So he signed on for those reasons. But he's the greatest talent we've seen in the, at least the last 25 years in the NBA. And the support he's got has just been... <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand how, as a a general manager, you can be so inept that you don't see that you just need to get LeBron some shooters. Anyone. Get him anyone. Who did they trade for just a couple of weeks ago? Rui Hachimura, who is just like, you know, an Aldi version of LeBron. He just, you know, he's not a shooter. It's just, it, it makes no sense that the fact that they haven't moved Westbrook or even moved AD... And gone and got themselves some shooters and someone else. You know, you can get a rim protector and a couple of shooters for AD for sure. But he doesn't have the balls to pull off that. And we're just kind of watching LeBron's end of career when he is still playing at a 30-point-a-night clip be wasted because their front office decisions are just... They're not accountable. They don't know what they're doing. It's, It's sad. I want to talk about Kyrie moving to to uh, Dallas because I think it's it's a different type of front office decision and I like it. Dallas weren't going to win a championship with just Luca. We, we've kind of seen that. We know how good Luca is, but they're not going to win a championship with just Luca. And no, everyone agrees. Kyrie is not a stable individual. He's not that great for, for culture. He's not that great for a team. But he'll walk at the end of the year. Everyone's pretty confident of that. So why not get him lightning in a bottle for, for four months and see if you can, can't pull out a major, major, major steal of a championship? Go and bring in one of the most creative scorers in the league in the last 10 years. 
and bringing him in and put him with one of the other most creative scorers in Luca. You're not going to lose Luca. He'll be there. He's your franchise guy, but you are going to be able to light the West on fire. And the West is a more attacking and aggressive uh, conference. The, the East is more defensive. You've got a lot of really good lockdown teams in the East. But the West is all about scoring points, and Kyrie is going to give you 30 points a night. I, I think Mark Cuban has made a really good decision here. You don't have to hold on to him long term. He doesn't have to be a stand-up guy because we know he isn't. But we do know he can score points for you. And we do know that the Mavs probably can't win a championship with just Luka. So go and get Kyrie. Give Luka his second guy. And make, you know, make something happen. Be aggressive. I I think being aggressive, we've seen it in the NFL. We've seen it in the AFL. The best teams go after the best players. Geelong go and get Jeremy Cameron and Patrick Dangerfield. They win it. An AFL grand final. Richmond have decided to go out and get Taranto and Hopper because they want to go in their window with Dusty and Tom Lynch and Jack Rewell and Trek Conscience. They want to win another grand final. In the NFL, we've seen teams go after Brady to win a Super Bowl. The Rams went after Stafford to win a to win a Super Bowl. Philly this year have gone after every single player in the league to, to load their roster. Aggressive GMs end up stacking rosters, and you win championships. That's how you do it in 2023. Not being conservative, not being the Green Bay Packers and and, and not doing anything to your roster for a long time and just sitting there. Not being conservative like a lot of these NBA GMs who really just don't want to pay up for players. They're just going to sit there and, and try and draft and develop and wait for their... wait for their rosters to get pilfered by better teams. So I just think... Uh, I'm happy with with what Cuban did, and I think that it's going to be really exciting watching Kyrie go to Dallas. I'm going to talk a little bit of AFL. Uh, Brisbane Lions, let's cover them. Big season to come. Since Fagan has come to the team, first season they were 18th, then they were 15th, then they went second, second, fourth, and sixth. Semi-final, prelim final, semi-final, prelim final. So... I think we can say that Fagan has been a success so far. Pulling a team from the bottom of the ladder and getting them to, you know, at a minimum for a, a semi-final four years in a row is a successful coaching tenure so far. But the pressure's on because they've got the list to go all the way. They're, they're un, under Fagan, they're 3-9 and nine in finals, so not a great finals percentage. And... Uh, uh, I think there's reasons for that. So they have one of the more attacking game styles in the league. You go back and look at their tape. They have this mix where they have all their midfielders can play kind of that small roaming forward, which means that you have dangerous goal kickers everywhere. You you look at their team and it is loaded in the midfield at guys who can go forward and kick goals. Neil, McCuggage, Zorko, Bailey, Berry are all floating into that forward line, Lions, and kicking goals. Their forward line one-on-one players are some of the best in the league. Charlie Cameron, Rayner, Hipwood, McCarthy, these type of guys are excellent one-on-one players. So when they go up against a team that isn't a Geelong or a Collingwood or a Sydney, 
they, they, they're going to destroy you. They're going to put you to the sword because they're very competent, very competent on ball, and they are very good one-on-one inside 50. They move the ball quickly, and they, and they really do put a lot of scoreboard pressure on you early in games, and, and, and it becomes too tough for a lot of teams. So how do you combat that when you know that these guys that are going forward, these midfielders who are strong, they're, they're winning their one-on-ones, they're kicking goals, it's a really hard team to defend. However, the flip side is, if they don't win the ball out of the middle, their midfielders do not run defensively. They are very, very bad defensively running. They don't have a strong zone system. So you can really, you can pick them apart. If you've got enough skillful players and guys who are good in pressurized situations, you can pick uh, Brisbane apart pretty easily. And when the ball moves inside 50, inside defensive 50 for Brisbane, they don't have many lockdown defenders. Stasevic is very good. Harris Andrews is more of a floating defender, but he's he's okay. Other than that, it, it falls away. Guys like Daniel Rich and Kitty Coleman and, and, and Archie, these guys aren't very good one-on-one. Noah Answorth's okay, but he's still young. Teams with any any sort of good forward system really do take Brisbane on, and, and, and they will beat them. So this whole offseason, I think should have been around, can we bring in some some defensive midfielders? Can we bring in guys who are willing to run defensively? Can we really fine-tune and turn the cog on that defensive structure so that we're not getting blown away by teams with really skillful players? Because that's what's happening. In that Geelong prelim final this year, God, the ball would come out of... Geelong's got a great midfield. So the, at, at the time, Selwood, Dangerfield, Atkins was playing well, Max Holmes was playing well. They moved the ball at Blitzarves, and Brisbane were five metres behind their defenders. The ball would move down the field 20 metres, and now they're 15 metres behind their defenders uh, because they're not running. So I, I just think that the key to Brisbane's season this year, because they want to make that jump. They don't want to be stuck in this situation where they're just getting to a prelim or getting to a semi-final. The best teams in the comp, Sydney, Brisbane, uh, sorry, Sydney, Collingwood, Geelong, have extremely strong defensive structures. When you get the ball, the pressure is on. They are coming at you. They are they are trying to turn the ball over. Melbourne are trying to get you to turn the ball over so that then they can slingshot the ball into their forward line easily. Brisbane really needs to tighten the screws there. They've added Dunkley. I, I love the Dunkley addition. He is a tackling machine. He is going to be in there. He's going to be putting pressure on. He's going to make sure that the ball is not just flying out of contest like it was in that preliminary final. Tighten the screws in the midfield. Dunkley is a great addition. He's going to play, I hope, all midfield because he is just that good of a player. It was a bit sad for Dunkley that he didn't play all midfield at at the Dogs, but I guess when you're in a team with Bontempelli and McRae and Liberatore who can only really play midfield, it's going to be tough. But Dunkley moving into the moving into the midfield, I mean, I think that's a really good addition to their team. They go and get. Jack Gunston, I think again, they had McStay, they get Gunston. Gunston is a better version of McStay. He's going to lead up at the ball. He's going to be dangerous around goals. 
getting Gunston on a cheaper contract than you would have had to pay McStay is just a, a tick as well. So I, I think Brisbane are set up to be really good. It's just, do they want to put in the effort to be really good? That That's what it is. The best teams have a mentality. Collingwood weren't the most skillful team this year, but their defensive mentality meant that they were in every single game and it was close. They were never going to get blown out. They were never going to think that they were out of it because they had a mentality to defend and tackle and pressure the ball and not let anything come easy. If Brisbane can bring in that that mindset, I think they will go really far. They're going to have some exciting new new guys come in. I know the two guys, Fletcher and Ashcroft, are going to be awesome players. It's going to be interesting to see how they use Ashcroft. I think with their midfield being loaded with Neil and McCluggage and Zorko, they'll definitely get Ashcroft in there, but he's going to have to find a role somewhere else as well, whether it's on the wing or whether it's in the forward line. And, they, you know, he'll learn the ropes as he goes. Um People have been talking about Ashcroft as if he could have played last year and been in the in in the ones. So very excited to see how he goes. I mean, I'm tipping them to make the finals. I'm tipping them to go very far. I, I think they need to go very far, and they will. They've had a long off season to work on just tightening up defensively, and I think they're going to really show out this year. Uh, as for someone who I think might surprise and, and, and break onto the scene, I think with the two new ruck system, well, with the extra with the extra sub, the two new ruck system, hopefully Tom Fullerton, can, who's put on some size in the offseason, can come in and be that second ruck. I think, you know, Oscar McInerney is, is a solid one. Hopefully Fullerton can come into the team and really be that solid two for them. Because at the moment, they've been kind of floating between Fullerton and Fort, and it is a bit of a weakness for them, I think. So hopefully Fullerton comes in and he becomes that number two and and, and locks down that position for them. Uh, I am definitely going to be doing a preview of the Super Bowl, just a, just a Super Bowl-only episode, Philly versus Kansas City, maybe tomorrow. Uh, as an extra episode on the week, uh, I'll continue my breakdowns. The next episode will have Collingwood and Carlton in it. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, let's let's all watch LeBron go to thirty, uh, go to thirty six thousand points and take over Cream. It's going to be sick. I'm pumped up for it. Thanks for listening to the episode today, boys and girls. I will see you next time.